Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to WCBC Podcast. My name's Hunter. I'm Grant. And I'm Cody. And here we are. And, uh, man, that was clean. That sounded good. Yeah, smooth. Uh, for those of you that, uh, man, maybe you've already caught on, um, Alan and Josh are not here. They're not. Um, we're switching things up this week because, as you guys know, we do record on Sundays. And so today is Sunday, July 4th. And our uh, our fellowship here, Watson's Chapel, we've decided not to have uh, evening service so people could go spend time with their family and be thankful for their country, which we'll come back to that in just a second as an intro. Um, but I do want to introduce, you guys are very familiar with our producer, our sound man, Grant, who also participates. Howdy. He, uh, he's sitting in an Allen's chair, so he gets to be Allen today. And then we're just so thankful and so honored here at the chapel um, that we just have a congregation that has so many different stories about how Jesus has tremendously saved their lives. And we have the honor um, to have Cody with us today. Cody Huntsman. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm and glad you can bring me on. Yeah, we're glad he's here. Uh, <laughs> one thing one thing you guys will learn about Cody today is uh, he, he loves Jesus, and he's thankful. Because without Jesus, you wouldn't be here today, would no, you? No, absolutely not. Uh, buddy, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, I definitely would either be dead or sitting in a prison cell right now. I mean, 100%. There's no way around it. So. That's awesome. And it's just, and you guys will hear. But to kind of start us out, uh, we'll do kind of like a short little intro. Um, listen, I don't know where you live. Um, Cody probably doesn't know this. We have listeners all over the, the United States mm-hmm. of America, people in different countries. And so we don't know where you live. Um, but today here in America, we are celebrating the 4th of July and when we think about celebrating America, I, I think that kind of can go a lot of different ways for a lot of people. Um, maybe they interpret it differently. Maybe it has a different context to them. But, you know, when we celebrate the 4th of July, it's just an opportunity to celebrate uh, the freedom that we have in this country that, as we heard this morning, was not for free. A lot of people laid down their lives, literally, I mean, died, so that me, Grant, and Cody could sit in this room today, one, with our religious freedom to trust the God who created the whole world, two, that we could be able to freely speak on a podcast radio and talk about the Bible and talk about the way that uh, the world should be according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, um, to be able to sit here and be men who work for an income, work for a house, to be able to own land, to be able to marry. And it's just an honor. And, you know, we were born in this generation for a purpose, but just because we're in this current generation doesn't mean we should forget those from past generations. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know who all listens to this, but we are avid here for our military, our veterans, and for the freedom we have in this country. Now, I do want to say this. I think it's sad that some people have taken a freedom um, to do what they want with it liberally, mm-hmm. um, kind of forsaking the military, the veterans. I, I think that's very sad um, because, you know, with that m- attitude, you're kind of being ungrateful towards those who have paid that price of dying. But, you know, also when we think about freedom, that also in biblical, I guess, restrictions doesn't mean that we are free to do whatever the heck we want and Mm -hmm. sin however we want. We have a freedom to live, but man, if our freedom is truly not found in Jesus Christ, then we're not free at all. We're still captive. And so, uh, and I know these two guys right here, you guys are thankful and advocate for your country. And uh, man, it's just an honor. And so let's dive into this. Today's going to kind of be more of a, an interview kind of podcast because we we have Cody on and he's going to share his life and how he came to faith in Christ. Um, you know, I'll encourage you guys, please listen. Cody has, God has done a work in Cody uh, that only a God can do through Christ. And what I love is today we're here to exalt what Christ did in Cody. Now, you know, me and Grant, we might have some questions and some comments for him. We might start a little bit of a discussion. But uh, further than, I mean, with anything else, I'll say this too. Guys, just be praying for the podcast. Um, We got some new things coming up. Big things. Big things. Mm -hmm. We're moving, not churches, but we're moving somewhere (laughs) else in this church. Uh, we got some videoing, some editing that we're getting ready to start doing where you guys can listen, but you're more than welcome to go on Facebook or some other uh, provider and literally watch us do a podcast and see the references and the videos and the scripture and all the stuff we talk about. And so game we're just changers. game changers. Grant's got some wise words. Uh, so, but other than that, uh, <laughs> let's, let's get this going. So Cody, f- feel free to start wherever you want, man. Well, I just want to say that I'm really thankful for you guys bringing me on and, you know, giving me this opportunity to um, share my story and 
what Christ has done in my life because you know I'm I'm not a I'm not a pastor I haven't been called to preach or anything of that nature but the uh, one thing I do know is uh, I love the Lord and I love Jesus Christ and uh, He is very real because of the evidences that He's done in my life yeah and that's the only story I really know so like that's the only when people talk to me about Christ like oh, I don't know much about specific doctrines or things of that nature but i know what he's done in my life so yeah. I, i'm glad y'all can give me this opportunity that i can come and um share that with y'all so uh i mean a little backstory about me um you know i am not a native of Madisonville, tennessee um i'm from a very very small town in western kentucky um called Cadiz, kentucky uh shout out to anybody that's listening out there but uh yeah i grew up there prop- probably a population about maybe four thousand in the whole county um, you know, one school everybody went to, it was just a, your typical Southern small town. And, uh, I grew up in a, uh, a great family. I was born in a family that, uh, you know, I have a little sister and, uh, it was just me, my mom and my little sister. And we grew up, I grew up in a, with a great family. Um, we went to church, we went to a, uh, what was it? A Church of Christ, a very legalistic, very old school conservative Church of Christ, um, where we didn't believe. Just to give anybody a backstory on a little snippet of the Church of Christ, we did not believe in instrumental music during worship. That was a sin. Um, you know how most people listen to praise and worship music, things of that nature. That yeah. was sinful to listen to, not to play in church, but to listen to is a sin. Um, they took a lot of things, the Bible, out of context. You know, you could lose your salvation. They taught that from the pulpit, correct? They taught from the pulpit. A young, uh, one of my earliest memories of any sermon that I ever heard was that you were not saved until you are baptized. Uh, my, I remember my preacher, he was asked by a man, he said, so if somebody comes to know that they're lost and they're driving to the church for the pastor to baptize them and they get in a car accident and they die, will they go to hell? He said yes. Mm. Yes, he will because what a he, claim. he was not baptized in water and you can lose your salvation that you can fall from god's grace once you're saved so growing up in that obviously you know as we grow up and we become teenagers you know we uh we look around us and we're confused trying to figure out how the world works and uh you know it that was just confusing to me um i grew up with not a respect for the god but like a fear of him, like he was some big bully that if I mess up, he's just going to damn me to hell. And when I became old enough to understand, I just, you know, said, you know, if that's the God that they're preaching exists, he doesn't exist, and I don't believe in him, even if mm-hmm. he is real. So I remember around age 14, I made that decision that, like, I, I don't believe in God, there is no God, and even if there is one, I don't care because I want no part of that. He's a tyrant, and yeah, I'm not going to have any part of it. So it sounds like, and Cody, not to interrupt. Go but, ahead. Uh, I do that a lot on here. No, uh, go ahead. So at one, to one extent, it sounds like you were almost manipulated. Yeah, that's a great word to use. Absolutely. Well, the gospel was kind of manipulated to an extent. I didn't know what the gospel was. Gospel was not a. Uh, the only if you said in my church when before the age of probably like fifteen, if you said the word gospel, I would think Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those yeah. are the four Gospels. That's yeah. I didn't know what the Gospel yeah. was. And so also, you know, I, I think it's fair to say this, that not every church that says we're Church of Christ is the same. No, just, no. Just like every Baptist church mm-hmm. is not the same. So I think it's fair that if anyone listens to this and you are a part of a different denomination, maybe another Church of Christ, you know, mm-hmm. we're not throwing everybody in the same kiddie pool. We're talking about specifically where you we, were. This is, yeah, this is very specific because um, since then I have visited other Churches of Christ, and even my home church has progressed so much. And um, it, it really had a lot to do with just traditionalism and the pastors that were in charge at the time and just the, uh, it, it was passed down from generation to generation at that specific church. But yeah. like, I am not here to say that that's what all churches of Christ believe. I'm just saying specifically the one I grew up in, the environment I was in, that is what we were taught. Yeah, so. and, and it's it's like... When there's a manipulation that almost takes place, it's almost like a brainwashing, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. So it's really, I guess you could say this, it wasn't really discipleship. It was more of this is how it is, this is how you view yeah. it. and everybody else is wrong. Like, a, Oh, wow. For And yeah, that's exactly what we're taught. For, for a good example, okay, um, growing up, um, I would say in our church we had maybe a maximum. That's children, parents, everyone, probably 75 people. Mm. And uh, I remember from age... As old as I can remember, 
to the time I stopped going to church in my teenage years, there was the exact same people and no new ones. If somebody did come, um, they weren't there long because they weren't a part of the inner circle or, you know, the group or whatever you want to call it. Um, no, there was no discipleship. And another example of everybody being wrong, um, we didn't have like really any youth. I think there was only six kids, um, growing up and I knew them all. And I remember, me and my sister used to go to daycare at the same daycare. I was like 10 years old, and she was, uh, I think, see, she's four years young. She was, she was six. Well, the people that were in charge of the daycare, they passed out a flyer saying that, hey, uh, VBS at the local Baptist church, they're wanting to do VBS. If you want your kids to come, sign the paper. So I brought the paper home. They signed the paper. Um, we went. It was supposed to be a week-long thing. We went for two days, and then the third day, we didn't get to go. I was hmm. like, why, why, didn't, why do we have to stay back and all the other kids go? And I remember my dad, who grew up in this legalistic mindset, I said, Dad, why didn't we get to go? He said, because they're Baptist, son. They don't preach the truth. Hmm. Um, wow. You know, we didn't, we, we didn't listen to, if, uh, you know, somebody talked about a sermon they heard or whatever, the first question was, well, what, what, what kind of preacher is he? Is he Church of Christ? If he, if hmm. he wasn't, they said, well, that's not truthful. You, you know, that's a... Uh, sinful it's not the truth yeah so it's almost like like you you described the inner circle mm-hmm. it's like if you didn't fit the characteristics or the attributes then one you're not preaching truth or and two you're not in the club even though yeah. they didn't give a man a chance to explain his biblical stance mm-hmm. they just marked him off correct yeah, absolutely that's the same i mean not very not so much welcoming i mean everybody's like hi how you doing you know and just moved on but yeah. there wasn't really any outreach i mean i think maybe once or twice the church did like a door knocking campaign that's that's probably about it so do you think it almost kind of produced a Mm self-righteousness atmosphere of like we're better than them yes man Um, i used to to get like um yeah i got bullied for a lot of things in school because of you know low self-confidence and things of that nature but that was one of them you know that I went to the Church of Christ, and they would ask me questions and i would repeat regurgitate when i was younger the information i heard and I was just taught that everybody else is wrong, and you know this is persecution you're getting hmm. from other people. Oh but wow! In reality, it's it wasn't. It, it, I was believing a lie. You know, um, it's not right for someone to teach anybody, especially children, that you know anything that's against the gospel, the true gospel. But when you know they're confused in their mind, thinking that holy crap, you know, if I mess up. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, done. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. do I? Wow. I have no assurance. I have no security. I mean, that would be a sad mm-hmm. life to live with that thought, like irking, like a dark mm-hmm. cloud of like, if I make one wrong decision, like I'm done and I'm going to hell. That's. I mean, honestly, if if that was really how Jesus intended it for it to be, none of us would make it. None. None of us would make nope. it. And he died on the cross for absolutely nothing. Because if you don't have any in- assurance or um, security in your salvation of the Lord. Then what's the point of trying to get saved? Yeah, <laughs> and you kind of said it. I mean, there would be no point of him even going to the full extent he went. Why? Because we'd still be f- fallible. So it's almost like this to say, you know, oh, we have this dark cloud that we can keep losing our salvation, this and this. Is that, I mean, that's almost presenting the idea that Jesus's bloodshed on the cross wasn't sufficient enough to keep us one time in mm-hmm. salvation. I mean that, that that's what yeah. I'm hearing right now. It's a it, it's almost as if you're telling God um, that if you if you honestly believe if you're out there and you've been taught or you believe that you can lose your salvation. First off, on a biblical basis, there is no biblical basis for that belief whatsoever. It's all all of those scriptures that people use are taken completely out of context. Hmm. It's okay a con in your context. You got to read the verses before and after because if you take the text out of context, all you have is a con. All you have is a lie. So wow, yeah. Thank. I mean, I heard. I heard that is not for me. I heard a really good pastor tell me that one time. But uh, still, wow. You got. You got to understand. My eyes twitched right there for a second. <laughs> you got to understand the entire verse. There's no basis for that whatsoever that you can lose your salvation. Yeah, because I mean, the other thing though is, is like if the Bible teaches us in one place that no one can pluck us out of his hand, mm-hmm. we're his. Colossians says that our lives are hid in Christ. Why? Because they're in him. Mm-hmm. He He kept them, right? He keeps us. So if the Bible teaches it one place, but then it teaches it another place differently, then that's also a contradiction. Mm-hmm. So 
we have to study out the context to see how both are the same. And so, Cody, I mean, that, that's a really good point you made right Thank there you. with the context. I mean, um, and God is not the author of confusion, okay? there's We got enough people in this world that are um, on the other side that are working for the devil that are trying to tear people away from Christ because that's what the devil's job is, is he yeah. wants to take us down and he wants to confuse us and get us to a point where we're just fighting against one another. So why, as when we believe that we're members of Christ's body, why are we fighting one another? There is enough people against us. It, the whole the Bible says the world is against us. So, I mean, why are we going to fight each other? We need to unite together, and everybody needs to understand that the Bible is the unfallible Word of God. Preach, and there, brother. <laughs> and there, there is no confusion in it. There is no contradictions in it. The only contradictions you find or the ones you make up for yourself. Mm. That's it. It's it's <laughs> it's un unfallible. Yeah. yeah, I I uh I don't have anything to say. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm twitching again. Don't no, twitch. <laughs> I, I think I think the question that you just proposed uh, just paints the picture of you know hey let let's find the common ground about putting our faith in Christ mm-hmm. and that His work completes us, finishes us. Mm-hmm. And let's establish, hey, we all agree on that, and then let's fight against the common enemy instead of fighting against each other. Absolutely. I mean, like, it, you, we have to unite together because Christ said that we are one body and we are united, okay? We're many parts. We have different functions. And yes, you can function without certain parts of that body, but it won't work as well as, as a whole, okay? So I believe all the denominations, you know, do I believe God allows or knew that there would be different denominations that would segregate. Yes, because we're people and we have differences of opinions and cultures and things of that nature. And I believe, all in all, that's fine. Traditions, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes down to the basics of when of there's one God, Holy Trinity, Jesus is the Son of God. He died for our sins once and for all. And once you have those foundation blocks that Paul talks about set in stone, the other small minor things, you know, like uh, the Lord's Supper or uh, when we should meet for church or just things of that nature, um, small little things that we disagree on, I, I believe that that's fine to have. You know, we shouldn't argue over those. Um, but when it comes to the basics, we all need to unite. Yeah. Paul, I mean, Paul said it in Galatians 1. He said, if any man preach another gospel, another Christ, let that man be a curse. And he says, if any angel... Or yeah. any person. Yeah. Let them be a curse. Let them be cast off. And so, man, Cody, I mean, you biblically you have painted the picture of, you know, the unity we're supposed to have. And it's even like, you know, I, I have friends that have different theological standpoints mm-hmm. and different views on certain scriptures. But the thing is, is it's certain scriptures, selected scriptures. But when we all get into the book of John and read about Jesus in John 3 saying, you've been born again. Mm-hmm. Or when you get into John 19, John 20, John 21, and you keep going about how he died on the cross. No disagreements mm-hmm. whatsoever. But then when you get over into Acts, or you get into Romans 10, and it says, believe, right? Whosoever, whosoever. Uh, you get to like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, not by works, right? Because if it was by works, we'd boast. It's grace through faith. No arguments. But then you get into like, you know, how often do we do the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper? Do we do a foot washing ceremony like Jesus did for the mm-hmm. disciples? You know, the rapture, this or this. Man, those are things that we can biblically try to debate or biblically try to discuss. But, man, if we can't get to the basics, mm-hmm. like you said, the, the founding, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Bible referred to Jesus as the cornerstone. And if we all can't look at him as the same cornerstone, then people are going to be just like the Jews that tripped over that cornerstone. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, that's awesome. So, Cody... You grew up in the um, Church of Christ where yeah. you were in Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. So you get to this point where you realize that if this is truly God, I don't want to serve this guy because you're going to mess up, right? Yeah. If you do one What's thing the wrong. Point? So once you hit them, them years that you realize that, what? how did your life, what happened next? Okay. All right. So, um, you know, if you would talk to anybody that knew me growing up, um, they would say I was relatively a good kid. Um you know, growing up in the church, I, you know, I, I didn't get in a lot of trouble. I had a moral compass. I knew that the Lord was, he had put his law on my heart and I knew what was right and what was wrong. Um, but I'd say probably around age 13 is when most people try to decide, you know, who they are in this world. They're trying to figure out, you know, themselves as a man or as a person, you know, what's my purpose? Where am I going? What am I doing? Who do I want to be? Um, and, 
you know, at the time I was dealing with a lot of uh, bullying in school. And so this is 13. This is and, age th- age 13, around age 14, right so, before I went to high school. So let me ask, just for our listeners to kind of peel back and see okay. more of what you're saying. So you said you were saved when you were 13. No, 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 no. I was not saved when I was 13. Well, you made that decision. I made, I made the decision that there is no God. And if there is one, if I'm wrong, I don't want any part of him. Because yeah. the picture of what who God was was ingrained in my mind as something that he is entirely not. So the salvation that your church presented to you, you I mean, you were to the point where you're like, I'm not interested. Uh, no, I'm not interested in it because why am I going to try my whole life just to get to the end of it and I might not make, reach the mark? It's a great point. Continue. That's that's, that's awful. That's so, what I was looking for right there. Go no, ahead. No, absolutely not. So uh, I made that decision at age 13, and you know, my life uh, from that point forward um, went slowly downhill. Um, on the outside, sometimes it looked like it lit, went uphill, you know, yeah. growing up. uh playing sports, things of that nature. You know, it looked like I was doing uh, the typical kid stuff. Man, I was going downhill um, uh, morally. And, uh, you know, I couldn't find acceptance at my church, and I didn't find the Lord. So, you know, what most people do, they try to find acceptance in the people they're around in their environment. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I tried to uh, – started playing football, you know, tried to get in with those guys. But I was I was different from the other kids, you know. I was considered like the weird fat kid, um, you know, bullying, things of that nature at school. Um that didn't work, didn't find acceptance there. And then, uh, you know, what most people do, I, I started hanging out with the bad kids, the bad kids, you know. <laughs> you know, the kids, uh, the skater kids, you know. They're doing things a little bit different. You know, I hung out with them for a while because they just accepted me, and you know. And uh, I felt, you know, uh, like, hey, I finally got some friends. This is cool. And, uh, you know, I, I, it still wasn't enough, you know, to fill that void. I just, I didn't... I didn't get it from my family feeling like I was enough. You know, I felt like they were trying to turn me into somebody that I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't free to be myself or discover even who I was. So I was like, man, I, I'm just searching for something to fill this void in my heart and to make me feel good. And uh, that's when um, hanging out with the bad kids, you know, you start, we start smoking cigarettes and, uh, you know, drinking, drinking alcohol here and there, you know, nothing, nothing, um, crazy per se at that time but um really it all went downhill my life changed when i was 14 years old and uh, i was at a friend's house and um i was hanging out outside and he came up and uh he was talking about he, he kept pressuring me to smoke to smoke marijuana and i was like man i, I don't want to do that i don't want to do that well uh me and my friend we we went up we were looking for money so that we could go to town and get some food, some pizza that night. You know, we were going to ride our bikes to town. So we went upstairs, and we started going through his aunt's cabinets. And we found these pills. And I didn't know what they were, so we Googled it. And, you know, it was a prescription narcotic. It was a um, painkillers for when you, uh, after surgery, opiates. So I took those home, and, uh, you know, all these friends that I'm around, like, man, take them, man. You're going to feel great, dude. Just, you know, take, you know, just take one, man. The it's peer good. pressure. Peer pre- I mean, peer pressure for sure. And I was like, man, if this is going to make me feel better, you know, I'll go ahead and do it. And I took that painkiller, and um, I remember the, the moment it, it finally went through my system and it hit me. And uh, I'll be honest with you, it, at that time, it felt like the it was the greatest feeling I ever had up to that point in my life. Never felt better. I felt like Superman. Like, I felt happy. I felt content. I felt peaceful. I mean, just sitting still and looking up at the sky and, like, just... You felt like the void was filled. Man, that void just felt filled. And I was like, man, this is the key. This is the stuff. And where did, this comes from a doctor? They give this to people? I was like, man, this is this is great. This is fantastic. And uh, from then on, man, I, start, I started taking those things every day. Um, we stole, and I stole every one of them from his aunt's cabinet. And I, I man, I was a, I was a, what do you call it? a trash can? I just, I was throwing these things back like there was no tomorrow. Like as a, a Pez dispenser. Like a Pez dispenser, man. <laughs> I, I was eating them like candy, dude. And wow. I was just high all the time. I'd say for probably from eight my. From my 14th birthday, let's see, that was my freshman year. I, I I took those things every day for six months straight. Six months straight, I took those things. I was there was not a time I wasn't intoxicated, and uh, I didn't know the dangers of it. And when I started to run low, when I, when that supply started to run low, I was like, oh, it's a, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, you know, I was like, man, yeah, yeah, I'll just be out of it, you know, whatever. But that's when the physical aspects of addiction come in, and I realized, oh no. Oh no, 
I'm in trouble. I started yeah. getting sick, and these evil thoughts started coming to my mind of like, I will do anything and everything on earth to get more of these. I will kill mm. someone if I have to. I mean, really, and I, I was scared. I never You're felt desperate. Desperate to fill that void. That void that was that I had before was so much darker and deeper. Yeah. And it, it was almost like I let pure evil like enter my life. And uh, the, from then on, I did everything I could, and I lied, I cheated, I stole, um, almost professionally, um, and whatever it took. I mean, stealing from the people that I love the most, or ripping people off, or, um, you know, it started off small, yeah. and it pro- it progressed, man. So at this point, in, um, so 13, you're like, I'm not about this church stuff, this no, gospel sir. stuff, I'm, I'm not about it. So instantly, it's almost like you turn away from that church, mm-hmm. right? And the first thing, right, is sin, evil. Oh, I mean, yeah. You just said it, pure evil. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you even think about um, like Cain and Abel, right? Cain wants to kill Abel, and but God told him, he's like, Cain, sin's waiting at your door. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right there. And I'm not going to necessarily say you turned away from truth because we've already yeah. established that. It really mm-hmm. wasn't truth. But you turn away from this church atmosphere and obviously, right, who's waiting for you? Sin. Yeah. And, I mean, the Bible says the prince of the air, whatever you want to call him. I mean, we have to understand, people, that Satan is always up to stuff. He's always wanting to mislead people. And I think one of the biggest pullers is if you get somebody hooked on drugs, mm-hmm. they're I mean, they're brainwashed. Absolutely, man. It, it's it is uh, for somebody who's never who's never been in addiction. Um, I'm sure there's people listening that understand exactly what I'm talking about. But man, it, it it is a gateway for the devil to take over your life. Everybody deals with sin problems, but when you get down to manipulating your mind and your body is so dependent on something, the devil will control you like a puppet. I yeah. promise you. Oh, it's easy. I, it's easy for him and. Uh, so Cody, you're you're okay. So you're at the point where you're addicted to opioids. Opioids. You're at 15 man. years old. I'm a I'm I'm absolutely full blown addict. And you mentioned so that was kind of like a gateway. Mm-hmm. So okay, so now you hit 16, 17, 18. Your later years of high school, and then what happens? What happens next? Okay. Um, 16, 17 years old, uh, going through high school, you know, um, I had my ups and downs of uh, how bad my addiction was. It was a constant, um, steady thing. And uh, there were many times I tried to, you know, just slow down, but I never intended on stopping. Mm-hmm. I never, I never wanted to stop. I loved it. It was, it was my sin. That's what I liked. Well, it got to a point where that sin wasn't enough. So, you know, I kept progressing and progressing and progressing and uh, going through school, 16, 17. And then that, I would say at 17 years old is when um, my first stopping point with God, where God kind of intervened in my life. Um, what happened was a good family. I had a good friend of mine. Um, I went over to his house. Uh, one thing led to another at his grandparents' house, and I stole some uh, medications out of their cabinet. And I did that several times, and I uh, never got caught. Well, then one time he did catch me, and uh, I remember him sitting down, and uh, he said, "Well, I'm going to have to call the sheriff's department." Mm. I was like, "Oh man, like I've never been in trouble before in my life." Well, the sheriff he didn't come. Blue lights and sirens. He came to the house, sat down with me and my parents. And my this is my parents when they really discovered, you know, hey, my son is not this normal kid. He's got a problem. I remember him sitting down there, and he tried to um, invite me to church. He tried to uh, talk to me about the Lord and saying that I'm better than this, this, that, and the other. Um, but all I could think about was how mad my mom and dad were at me. And uh, that was the first time I I was like, you know what, I need to get my life straightened out so um i played football and i was lucky enough to get a um an opportunity to play college uh football at a small christian school in uh, illinois and i was like you know what small christian school away from my hometown you know i'm gonna make some new friends this is this is good you know i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get my life straightened out from what i knew as a child of uh trying to walk the straight and narrow i'm gonna try and walk the straight and narrow well i got to college and that lasted probably about 72 hours um you know dove Head first, right back into addiction. You know, no, I'm not in mom and dad's house anymore, and I'm on my own. Um, at I met some even worse friends that yeah. were deeply, deeply involved in the uh, drug trade and uh, in criminal activity, and I started hanging out with them, man, and uh, it, it it kept going downhill. But the thing was, I knew that it was going downhill. I knew that my life was falling apart right in front of me, but 
I just kept going with it and going with yeah. it and going with it. Um, get out of, uh, drop out of college, um, uh, meet a girl. Um, I decide, you know what, you know what's going to change my life? I, I'm going to, I'm going to get married. So I decided to uh, enter into a awful, awful relationship and get married where we were both living in sin. And uh, um, eight, you know, 19 years old, moved back home. Um, can't hold down a job. I'm stealing from everybody that's around me, and I, I my addiction takes off to a point. And I did things that I never thought I'd do, um, and that one of those involved using a needle, using um, IV drug use, mm-hmm. and that was something. That was a point I never. I told myself I'll never ever get to this point, um, and it was just there was nothing I felt like I could do. Uh, yeah, just sin. I just I. The only thing I knew was sin made me feel good once. It'll make me feel good again. So I'll just keep doing more and more and more of it. But really, I was just dying on the inside. So yeah, um, I've written down a question. Go ahead. I got uh, one too. Whenever you're done. So what? What I put what feels, but what it means is what fills the void. And so so far, listeners, what we what we've gotten from Cody's life. And one thing I want to say this is Cody got caught. That's the difference between him and a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people don't get caught. And I'll say this. Uh, Cody and I, we've had a lot of talks, and there's some similarities in our life because you don't have to be addicted to opioids or hard drugs to understand what addiction feels like. And so we've had similar talks, and so, you know, a lot of the decisions he made in high school, I made in high school, Mm -hmm. and it was the difference is I didn't get caught. And so, Cody, before we even, like, continue with your testimony, if someone's listening to this and they're doing some of these things that you've talked about, but they haven't got caught. What advice and encouragement would you tell them right now? You will. You will get caught. I promise you, you're going to get caught. If you don't get caught, it'll kill you first. I promise mm. you. Um, you are not invincible because that's how I felt. You are not invincible. Um, don't think you're flying below the radar of your parents, your peers, or the police because I promise you, somebody's watching and somebody knows. Yeah. God knows. And God loves God loves us all. Yeah, and he is gonna more than likely he's gonna make an intervention in your life somehow, and you you will you will you will get caught. Yeah, a hundred percent every single time somehow some way you will get caught. Yeah, and so what I have right now for this question, what fills the void? Uh, first drugs, second college, third a marriage, and fourth sports. We'll keep going, mm-hmm. but what I'm doing is Cody. There's probably a lot of people that'll listen to this, and they might be trying to fill the void in their life with the same things. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the point here in a little bit, when you share about how you were saved and Christ radically changed your life, I hope the listeners will realize that themselves. But Grant, you had a question. Go ahead. Uh, before you take off again, mm-hmm. did, uh, at this point in your life, did uh, was there an idea of God come back? Or did you ever think about what you were raised in? Did that ever come back into your mind while you were doing these things? Um, while I was doing these things, I'd say the time that God would come to my mind was when I was getting in a really sticky situation. Um, <laughs> Help! Like, and, you know, like a really sticky situation. Like I knew, everybody knows, every human being, it's ingrained in your heart, you know deep down that there is a God. It's The only choice is whether you choose to accept Him or not. That's that, that, yeah. There's only two choices. Yeah, you Romans choose. 1 says that there there's enough, the wrath of God's been revealed, and it talks about... Mm-hmm. How he's revealed enough of himself. People know there's oh, a yeah. God. Everybody knows there's a God. Yeah, if you don't believe me, wait, I want to see somebody get into a you get into a car accident or you become have a near death experience. Yeah, they're gonna be calling on God. I don't care who they are. Okay. Um, but the only ideas with God would be in sticky situations or like um I've had a couple overdoses and uh, you know, uh, there's a couple times I almost lost my life and that's when I mean, God's presence, I believe, came and protected me. But yeah. Slowly, that would, I mean, quickly, that would fade away. Yeah. It, it's leading to something. Um, so, Cody, you, okay, dropped out of college. Yeah. You had a marriage, didn't work out. Right. Um, well, I'm, I'm in this, I'm in this marriage, and, uh, you know, uh, she, she grew up in church, and, uh, do, I don't believe at the time she was saved, you know, um, but we were both living in sin, definitely living in sin, and it was not a God ordained marriage. Everything about it was, uh, definitely not of god um you just made a choice off the i made a choice off off of lust is what it was off of lust it was pure lust and on a whim and uh during that and the stresses from the marriage and trying to be somebody that i'm really not my my addiction just uh flourished flourished and uh you know started using drug use and uh um it all came to a, all came to a spiral in the year uh, it was 2017, um, the winter of 2017. 
Um, I used opiates, and I and a lot of people don't know an opiate addiction is a very very expensive addiction. It you know it in, in upwards of three to five hundred dollars a day minimum. Um, I had to figure out how to get, and uh, during that winter I lost uh, my connection. I, I I couldn't afford opiates, and I and most people don't know when you have an opiate addiction you're so physically dependent on it that you get almost like a flu. You get flu-like symptoms, but it's like the worst flu you've ever had in your entire life. Um, your body hurts. Um, you can't sleep for for weeks on end. Um, it's it's like being tortured. It's like the worst feeling on earth that you could possibly imagine. It's it's awful. Yeah. So, um, so you've hit, you know, I mean, to an extent, you've hit rock bottom, right? Marriage didn't work out. Drug addictions increased. Getting close to rock bottom. <laughs> so definitely close. So knowing that it's all getting ready to come in head because you've already been in trouble with the law. So, Cody, after after college, after the marriage doesn't mm-hmm. work out, drugs are flourishing, mm-hmm. what happens next? Because you've, you've kind of already foreshadowed, and me and Grant already know this, but he's kind of already foreshadowed. That it's coming to a head because you said yeah. hey, you're gonna get caught eventually. Oh yeah, you you're told gonna get caught. You so know, I got caught once when I was in high school, and I got lucky enough that no like criminal charges were pressed. Yeah. They just were good hometown people trying to help a boy in a hard time, and uh, it all came to a head when I started using methamphetamine, and my life completely spiraled out of control, and I lost teeth, and you know just bad things happened. It all came to a head February. Uh, well, February twentieth, two thousand eighteen, my uh, my grandfather passed away. My dad's side, and uh, that man right there left a legacy and a love for the Lord that people. It was just such a blessing to see. Um, this man, just to preface, my grandpa, he grew up in a legalistic church, thinking that he was saved his entire life. He was an elder at the church we grew up in. He realized at sixty three years old, he said, "I am. I I know a lot about Jesus, but I don't know him." Hmm. And he had the courage to go down in front of everybody. As an elder of the church, where everybody looks up to him in this most legalistic church you could think of, and give his heart to the Lord at mm. 63 years old wouldn't. And but on February 20th, 2018, he passed away. All all of a sudden, he was in poor health, but it was kind of all of a sudden. Yeah. And uh, I remember my dad looking at me. He said uh, he hadn't seen me in months, and I'm skin and bones looking awful. And he said, Cody, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're doing right now, but. Uh, he said, my, my daddy just died, and he's my best friend, and uh, I don't I, I don't want to lose my son. He said, whatever you're doing, wow. I, need you, I need you to stop, and I need you to get your life together. And I said, Dad, I'm not doing anything. I promise I ain't doing nothing. Two days later, February 22nd, 2018, I got caught in Clarksville, Tennessee, at, a, at the dope man's house, at, the, at his hotel room. And, uh, man, it... I remember coming to that door. I was I needed I needed the drugs. I needed them. I'm banging on this guy's door. He opens the door. He rips me inside. He said, "Man, what are you doing in here?" Blah blah blah. And I said, "Oh no, dude. I I just need some stuff. I gotta go." And uh, I went to run out the door because he's scaring me. And he he took a pistol out and put it to my face and he said, "Don't move or I'll kill you." And he left and I froze. I could have left. I could have left, but something not just fear was holding me there, and I believe it was God holding me right there. And uh, when I went to touch that door handle, I heard, who else is in the room? Mm. And here, ooh, it's Montgomery County Police Department. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was telling them everything I could, you know, get out of there. Oh, my wife's in labor. I need to go, this, that, and the <laughs> other. Man, I knew it was. It all came to a head. It was done. They put me in handcuffs, and uh, they found drugs on me, and then they searched my vehicle, and then they found more. And I was like, man, I've never been in handcuffs before. Never, never. I hadn't even got a speeding ticket. I've never been in trouble before. So now you're heading, you're, you're done. Oh man, I'm in the back of the cop car, lights, sirens going. I'm, I'm in there and they walk me up to the jail. I'm like, okay, all right. It's not going to be that bad. I'm going to pay bond. I got a little bit of money. I'm going to get out of here and everything's going to be okay. Nope. No, it wasn't. God definitely intervened there. And he looked, uh, the guy read me my charges and he said, um, okay, your bond's going to be uh, $65,000. And I was like, $65,000? I don't even know how to count that high. <laughs> and they put me in that in that cell, and, you know, it still it still didn't hit me then because I was still intoxicated. And uh, I thought, you know, all right, somebody's going to come get yeah. me. Somebody's going to get me out of here. Nobody. 24 hours later, I wake up, and all the drugs are out of my system. Nope, nobody's there. Mm. I call, my, I call uh, my wife at the time, and my ex-wife, and I say, uh, hey, um, 
you know what's going on? Uh, are you going to come get me? She said, yep, we're, we're working on a way to get you out. Hung up the phone. Boom. Never heard from her again. Three days later, I get I served divorce papers in there, in, in jail. Um, so, man, I got, so at the time, I got, my house is stripped from me. They've impounded my vehicle. I have no money. I am a $65,000 bond, so I am in jail. I am staying in jail, and I'm not getting out. No hope. Anytime so No hope whatsoever. And I remember hitting that bunk. I got on my knees right there, and I was like, God, if you're real, help me. please help me. It's, a, it's called the jailhouse prayer. Everybody has it when they first go, to, first go in. Um, I had that, and... Man, that's when God, I know it was in the worst situation possible. And, and for people that don't know, Montgomery County, Tennessee is one of the worst and most dangerous jails in the country. Um, I remember being in there and being with guys that were very, just very, very bad people. And uh, on third shift, when the guards would change, there was a, uh, a guy who came around and he was super nice, a lot different from the other guards. And uh, he came and he saw me sitting on that bunk by myself and he talked through me to me through the door and he said, hey. How old are you, son? I said, I'm 20 years old. And he said, you know, there's a better life than this. Mm. And he said, right now you ain't got no hope. But he said, there is hope. That's all I said. And then the next day I heard a knock on my cell door. And I went there and nobody was there. But then under the thing was a Bible. Slipped me a Bible. So I remember uh, I picked it up first time in a long time. And uh, I started reading. And I was like, man, you know, that's when the first time I acknowledged, you know what, there is a God. There is a God. And, uh. It's not the one that I knew growing up, um, but that that was it from there. So I was like, "But nobody had to tell you that." No, you started. Oh Lord, no! I was in there by myself for twenty three hours a day, and it's like God started just revealing you the truth about His Son, not like what you heard growing up, but like no, there's more to it. Yeah, it was like that's what it was, and that was the end of it. It was uh, there is more to this, more to come, and I was like cliffhanger. I I remember praying or praying. I was like, God, you know, I, I don't. I got to make a change, man. Like, I don't know what to do. If you're real, you know, I, you got to help me out here. And uh, that was it. But no faith whatsoever. Yeah. Right? Um, and then God gets an opportunity. He gives me an opportunity uh, to get out on bond. But before this, I go to court. And this is before my parents come to court at your arraignment. And the judge looks at me through the, it, we did a televisit, like a, te- you know, a video call. And he said, uh, and I'm standing there like, man, you know what? It's going to be good. I'm going to get out, you know, whatever. And the uh, judge looks at me through the screen. He said, you know, uh, I'm really tired of these young kids like you coming in here with all these drug charges. And you think that this is okay, you know, that you're just going to get a light, you know, slap on the wrist or whatever. He said, buddy, let me tell you right now, you're in deep trouble. And uh, if I'm appointed judge over you, he said, I'm going to throw the book at you. He said, you don't know what that means, do you? I said, sir, I don't know what that means. He said, I'm going to go for eight years. He said, and you're going to have to serve at least three of those in prison. I was like, prison? What do you mean prison? <laughs> like the big prison? He said, yeah, prison. TV he said, prison. <laughs> he said, you got a lot of praying to do, buddy. That's the only thing that's going to save you. Hmm. So I get I get an opportunity to get out on bond. They reduce my bond, and my parents pick me up. And, man, they, they're just distraught. They're absolutely distraught. They don't know what to do. And uh, they looked at me, and they said, you, you've got to get some help. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I want help. This is the first time in my life I ever acknowledged, you know, I want help. Um, tried the NA, the AA, hi, my name is Cody, you know, I'm an addict, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, insert your God here, put your faith in your higher power. And I was like, it, just something about that didn't appeal to me. I was like, man, this ain't right. It's yeah. like, I don't, I don't want a part of this. Well, um, my parents get online and they look up a place called Spring to Life Recovery. That's in uh, Woodbury, Tennessee. Um Anyway, we one thing led to another. We call them and they say, uh, "Hey, we got a bed open. You can you, you come on down, buddy." Um, I go down there and there's guys. I thought, man, this is gonna be a bunch of Bible thumpers. There's gonna be a bunch of self righteous people. I get I get down there and there's guys with tattoos all over them. They're just not your typical looking Christian guys. And they're in there singing kumbaya and they're they're having Bible (laughs) study and they're coming up to me, hugging me and saying, man, I love you. Like, we're glad you're here, dude. Like Jesus is going to do a great thing in your life. And I'm Mm. like, I don't know you leave me alone. Like, you know, I'm, I've never been around that. Like just people who are solely in love with Jesus. Genuine. And man, you could just feel the presence of the Holy spirit in this place. And I mean, you got guys in here that are looking at, you know, been their life sentences, been addicts for way longer than me, twice my age, done way worse things, and they are at peace. 
and they have so much love inside them. And I'm like, man, maybe there is something to this. So you didn't know, like when you talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit, like now looking back, you, you know what was happening. Oh, yeah. But at first, you know, you weren't saved. You weren't a Christian. You mm-hmm. didn't have the spirit living within you as the Bible teaches. So you're just walking in there and you're like, something's going on something's here. Something's going on. Man. Something. Cause you got guys here that are on probation and they got a, uh, court dates hanging above their head like maybe they go back to prison maybe they won't you know it's a lot of things to worry about and they're over here singing kumbaya happy as can be and i'm like what's wrong with you dude like yeah. you're about to go downtown for 20 years like why are you so happy and i was like he said man it's just jesus like i'm, I'm okay with wherever he puts me and never i ain't never been around that before um that was easter sunday 2018 actually it was when i was dropped off there seven days later we go to a place called Experience Community Church that's in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And uh, this church has about 1,500 people per service. It's huge. I've never been to one, and I've never been to one that had a praise and worship band. So I go in there, and, I'm man, I'm hearing, like, true worship music for the first time in my life. I'm like, You went from 75 people to 1,500. 1,500, man. I'm, I, With I, music. Like, fish <laughs> out of water, and I'm like, oh, no, they're playing that devil guitar. And, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was man. It was a surreal experience. But I'm listening to the lyrics of these songs, and they're they're not the traditional like you know, oh, you know yeah. those kind of songs. Like they're actually speaking truth and speaking life, like quoting scripture. You know, um, talking about um, God changing lives and breaking chains. And I'm like, man, what is what is this all about? You know, kind of keen my interest. And then the, the, the pastor comes out. So I'm thinking, you know, pastor is going to be suit and tie guy. You know, he's going to come up there and tell me how much I'm wrong and I'm going to hell. No, this guy comes out in shorts and flip-flops and a T-shirt and I'm carrying a Bible. I'm like, what is this dude doing? I thought it was like, is this a homeless guy coming up here? You know, it's just so different from my what I thought church was supposed to <laughs> yeah. be like. Um, he gets up there and he says, hi, my name is Pastor Chris, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm, I'm looking at the guys next to me like, is this guy serious? Like, are we seriously here right now? Um, and he gets up there and he says, let, let me give a little bit about my testimony. I thought this guy was going to be a joke. And uh, he gave a rundown of his testimony. It was very uh, similar to the life I lived. And I was like, wow, okay, this guy's been where I've been, drug addiction, things, and came out of it. I want to hear what he has to say. Maybe he can help me. Yeah. Um, How'd you end up in flip flops? Yeah, I, I ended up in, in flip flops. I was like, man, you're taking me off guard, but you got my attention now. So I'm listening to this guy, and he talks about, um, he goes through John 3:16, for God so loved the world. And I yeah. was like, okay, everybody's heard this sermon. But then he started talking about, it. he said, for God so loved the drug addict, for God so loved the sinner, for God so loved the thief, he's for so loved this, that, and the other. And he was like talking about real people, and he was talking about how. Christ died for all, and he doesn't care what you've done. Yeah. He doesn't care about what baggage you carry. And when you come to church, you don't come to church presenting like, okay, this is the best version of me. What Jesus says, what the church says, come here and look the part and walk the part and talk the talk. What Jesus says, Jesus says, come to me as you are with all your baggage and your garbage and your sin. I mean, even if even if you're living in the worst sin possible, just come to me as you are. And here's the thing. Let me make the change in you and not me and not people trying to tell you how to change like allow me to make the change in you he said for god so loved the world that means he loves everybody and he made a statement that was very clear he said if jesus were to walk the earth today he would not be here he said he would not be in this building he would be on the streets he would be out there in the poor houses in the drug houses in the prison cells he hung out with sinners prostitutes the addicts all the quote-unquote bad people that's who jesus hung out with and he said that's who jesus came for he came for the lost and the broken not the good people and uh then he said he i was like okay what's this change that he can make in your heart what's this change and he said best scripture i can give you second corinthians five seventeen: for any man be in christ he is a new creation for behold all things pass away behold all things become new become new he said when you accept christ into your heart he comes in with all your baggage and your brokenness and he makes the change inside you and you become literally a new creature not a new man you become a new creature he said you are so precious a saved person is so precious and so like valuable in god's sight he said angels look at us in awe yeah they're jealous they are jealous of us because 
we are the only creature in the entire universe of all of God's creation that can sin and fall away from him and be redeemed and be saved mm. and became, and become something new. He said, they look at us in awe. He said, I promise you, if you put your faith and your trust in him, he'll make the change in you, and you ain't going to do nothing but listen and obey. Man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, man, what is this? So I, I was looking around the room trying to distract myself, but I, I mean, the Holy Spirit was just on me. And I looked at the wall, and there was this uh, hand-painted mural of uh, depiction of Jesus. And uh, I looked at this thing, and it was almost like during the praise and the worship music that was playing, it all went silent. And I looked at this picture, and it was like it was just me and him standing there, like, in the room. And uh, I believe right then I did have a one-on-one encounter with the Jesus Christ. And I heard a voice, but it was it wasn't like... An audible voice, yeah. um, and just so people know, I'm not diagnosed with any mental disorders or anything. I am fully all there. Uh, you experienced what the Bible says a still small a voice. still small voice that came from within me, but it was a voice I couldn't describe to you on my best day. Um, and it said, "Called me by name and said, Cody." And I said, "Yes." I was I was kind of freaked out, but I could not take my eyes off this picture. And uh, said, "I've always loved you." I've always been there for you, and I've always protected you to bring you here. And right then, it was almost like my life flashed before my eyes. Like, all the times I overdosed, car accidents, um, you know, all the the things. Your sin's on you, right? I yeah. mean, everything you've done at this point has... Like a ton of bricks. Because that's what... It's almost like where it talks about the gospel at one point. It says that the light exposes darkness. Mm-hmm. So at this point, your encounter with the Holy Spirit of God, the light's exposing your darkness. Absolutely. Everything that, yeah. Yeah, he exposed my darkness, and it wasn't, he He just showed me, like, man, those weren't fun times. Those were, you were in direct disobedience of yeah. me, and I knew, I saw it for what I was, and that was sin. Yeah. And he, but what, what God did at the same time that he convicted me and he showed me what my sin was, he showed me his grace and his goodness in while I was still lost, he protected me because not only did he show me my sin and what I was doing, like the overdoses and the car accidents, all these times, he showed me what should have happened. He showed me the several times I should have been dead. And if I had died at those yeah. times, I would have died lost. Yeah. And he showed me that I have protected you to bring you here to this point. You And I, I mean, similar experiences, just like the, I, I guess, uh, not a revelation because a lot of people have used that word for all sorts of stuff in mm-hmm. this day and age, but like uh, God gives you an awareness of his sovereignty, the control. I mean, literally him allowing you to fall so short, fall so far. And then him still saying, but I protected you here. I protected you here. I protected. And then it's all, everything adds up to mm-hmm. equal the conversion you're explaining yes. to us right now. So you encounter the gospel for the true gospel for the first time in your yes, life. Sir. And you surrendered to that, right? Absolutely, man. When uh, when he showed me all these things, um, and he showed me what should have happened, he said, if you will put your faith and your trust in me and me alone and surrender, surrender your own will for your life, because obviously your will, Cody, has got you where you're at now. He said, if you will surrender your will to mine, he said, I will transform you into something that is beyond your wildest imagination. He said, I'll change you into something that you can't even fathom. He yeah. said, you can't even fathom what I'm going to do in your life. And he said, you're going to touch so many people's hearts. He said, I've got big plans for you. If you will just accept me, I love you. And you, the big thing was, you have always been more than enough for me. And that's why I died for you. Right then, like a ton of it, I hit my knees in front of in the middle of 1500 people and put my face to the ground and said Jesus I don't know much about you but I know that you're real and I know that you died for yeah. me and I don't want to be this way anymore I repented I truly felt that my sin was upon me and that I was a sinner and if I didn't right then give him my heart I was going to die lost yeah and man I hit my knees and I asked him I said God Change me. Change me into whatever you want me to be because I can't do this on my own. I don't want to be this way anymore. I believe that you died for me. Please just change me because I don't want to be this anymore. I want to be whatever you want me to be and go wherever you want me to go. Yeah. I raised my head up, and man, the the feeling that I had that day, and I, I've put a lot of things into my body 
to change chemical reactions in my mind, drug-wise and alcohol and things of that nature. I've tried them all, everything I've done. There is nothing on this earth to this day that can compare to that feeling I had. It wasn't a chemical reaction in my brain. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't a temporary feeling. That was a spiritual washing is what I had. When I literally felt physically, mentally, and spiritually, the Holy Spirit enter my heart and cleanse me from all the sin that was in my life. I remember raising my head up and I looked at my one of my best friends at the time. His name was, we called him Boston. He said, dude, you're glowing right now. And I was like, man, I don't know what's going on, but I, everything's about to change. So, and let's bring all this to what Cody's talking about. So, like, when, mm-hmm. when Cody talks about, um, you know, kind of God speaking to him, uh, my, my friends and my listeners, I, I want you to realize that uh, our God's alive. Jesus is alive and at the right hand of God. And when he reveals to you that you are completely and utterly lost. I mean, you know, for me, I was 12 when that revelation of Christ came. And I'm not talking about like some vision or something. I mean, I was watching a video about the rapture and that still small voice, even though it wasn't audible. It was almost like I had a realization within my inner being mm-hmm. when I saw the people that were raptured away and went to be with Jesus. It was like this. And I saw these people that were left behind and going to hell. I had a, a awareness and a realization within my heart. Like someone said, that's going to be you. Mm-hmm. And once that happened, kind of what you, you were explaining, it's the process of, I realized I was lost. Yeah. I was, re- I realized I was in need. And if I was going to escape the pits of hell, I would have to call upon the name of Jesus, which at 12, you know, I didn't know a prayer. I, I was kind of like you, like I heard about it. I was exposed to it, but my prayer to him, which um, you know, it's about the faith. It's not about the words I say. So, you know, before I even went down, I was acknowledging I was lost and I need to put my faith in Jesus. That was my faith. But I remember my prayer was, Jesus, please save me. Jesus, please. and I repeated that over and over because that was my cry out to him. Yeah. And he hurt. And so when we talk about this experience, don't uh, base it off of what Cody and I or even Grant what could talk about because, you know, Grant had a realization within himself. We just have to understand that the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit, right? I heard a preacher say it like this once, or actually it was in a book. Um, the Holy Spirit is the avenue in which God communicates the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so when God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to us, our hearts, our inner beings, our conscience, whatever you want to say, and you know that you're lost, that's not because of what you came up with that yeah. day, Cody. Not what I came up with, but because we've had a holy God speak to us Mm -hmm. and when the bible says that jesus is the intercessor right Mm -hmm. he intercedes for us before the presence of an holy god we have to understand that our names come up yeah like you said oh jeez and and when your name when the realization that the love is coming up before a holy god right because of what jesus did that you would be introduced to christ and what he did on the cross and all you have to do is have an act of faith Right, a, a true belief in Jesus Christ, your life will be completely changed, and that verse you c- quoted out of Corinthians becomes mm-hmm. real life. And, and that, I mean, this is just awesome, Cody, because, like you said, you didn't know anything at that point. No, and so uh, that like that shows zero. you don't have to know the A through Z facts about Jesus in order to be mm-hmm. saved. You just got to come before Him and say, "I'm a sinner, and I need you to change me." Yeah, and that's what He did that day. That's exactly what He did that day, man. And I mean, from that. From that moment on, and I I just want to preface this to everybody, um, my encounter with the Lord that day, even though it sounds to some people like it was, you know, very supernatural and very um, pronounced and, you know, um, what people would describe a extraordinary spiritual experience, that's not the same for everybody. God comes to you in the way that he he knows you best, and he's going to reveal himself to you in a way that you're going to be able to understand and what you're best going to be the response to. It may be more subtle. It may be like... Hunter, where you're just watching a video, or you're just reading one day, or you're just driving in the car, and it'll be a subtle... Yeah, he saves who he wants and wherever. I mean, you can be on the side of the road, you can be at church, you can be at home. It don't matter. And I'll say this. What I love about what Cody just said is, you know, uh, even like the word supernatural's Mm -hmm. been thrown around in so many weird ways this day and age in church. But when you come in contact with God, what I love is before that ever took place... That man stood up and gave a gospel demonstration of mm-hmm. John 3.16, of that verse from Corinthians. And God did what he promised us. The Bible says that his word doesn't return void. So Cody hears the word of God proclaimed. Mm-hmm. He hears the gospel proclaimed. 
And then all of a sudden, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that gospel mm-hmm. that that guy preached, not because he has the power, the preacher, but because the word was shared, God takes that word mm-hmm. and puts it in you like a brick, like oh, you yeah. said. And it, the gospel hits you face to face, and you came to realization that day through the power of the word of God that you were in need of a Savior. Am I wrong? Absolutely right. You are correct. Buddy. Absolutely. That's what I, and that's the thing. It's like you could be at home. You could be wherever. You could be this. God takes his word the message of his son, and he communicates it to us in a way that we realize we're completely mm-hmm. lost. It's like he can save a 12-year-old, he can save an 8-year-old, he can save a 20-year-old, mm-hmm. a 63-year-old man. Yes, he can. He's going to expose the sin and the flaw that we're in to the point where we come to one realization, I need to be saved. What did the Philippian jailer say to uh, Peter? And He said, well, what must, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, okay, well, and then believe, believe, believe. believe. And that man was saved that day. And that's that's exactly what I love, is our God communicates within what he's given us. I mean, the instructions are in the word of God. So if he says, this is how you're saved, believe in me, you'll be saved. Believe in me. We see the story of the Philippian jailer. We see uh, the story of Lydia, the seller of purple. We see the story of the Ethiopian jailer. And then all of a sudden, Cody, here he is telling his testimony. And you, just like those three people out of the Bible I mentioned, you all were saved the same way. Putting exactly. your faith in Jesus Christ and the gospel that you heard. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. And uh, I'll say this. Cody does, doesn't know about this, but what we're actually going to do is we're going to pause here. Okay. And we're going to have Cody come back, and we're going to do a part two here in the next couple weeks because we're, we're hitting an hour. And the, we could probably go for two hours today if we kept going. Uh, yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to stop here. Um, I think this is a good point because, listeners, you've heard a man's testimony, almost like Paul taught us in scriptures. He was this. He did this. He was the chief of all sins. Yeah, I mean, he was dead in his sins and his trespasses, Ephesians 2. And one thing is what Cody says is what me and Grant also said. Hey, we were dead in our sins. We felt like the chief of all sinners. We felt like, man, there was no hope. And then all of a sudden... God, like he appeared, remember when Saul, Paul was on the road to Damascus, mm-hmm. and Jesus, it was like God was waiting for him to hit that one spot on the road. Boom. Mm-hmm. He saved, right? And that's what we're saying. We were there, and God tremendously saved us, even though we're not Paul, and I'm not Grant, and I'm not Cody. Jesus Christ saved my soul, and he saved all of ours, and that's a beautiful thing. And so, listeners, you've heard about uh, what he's been through, where he's gotten to, and now we're up to the point where Cody's life has been changed at, do you remember... Say what? What was the church's name? Do you remember? Um, Experience Community Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It was April 7th, 2018 at 7.37 p.m. Were, were you about to say something else, too? Huh? Were you about to say something else? I'm just saying, man, that's where it all began. That's where it all began. And that's where I'm saying is now, this next time we bring Cody back, he's going to have a lot more to tell you about how God's changed his life. Because you have to remember, he's at the point of facing eight years of prison. It could yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you guys remember, we did a podcast episode a few months ago with Brother Byron. Yeah. He came in here and talked oh, about Miracle yeah. Lake. Boy, Cody went through Miracle Lake, and he'll get to talk about that process, too, and give a shout-out to Miracle Lake, and uh, we'll put their email and stuff. I'll Absolutely. let Byron know. Um, so we've got a whole other part, too, that's better than what we just talked about. Oh, absolutely, man. We're going to get into the really, really good stuff and the awesome stuff of what it's God's be doing. Man. Oh, it's it's, it's going to be it's gonna be epic. <laughs> and not only that, once we get to the end of like where Cody is now, I think it's going to create an opportunity for us to have a conversation about how the power of God can change your life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what it's going to lead it to because Josh and Alan will be back for that next one. We'll wait for them. And uh, we'll have a great conversation that day about the power of God. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, Grant, you got anything to say to these people? Uh, stay you for your service. Stay tuned. This is July 4th as we were recording this. Thank you for your service to the military and people that mm-hmm. retired from the military. And we're very thankful. Yeah. Stay tuned for these big announcements, huh? Heck yeah. Big moves. <laughs> Cody, you got anything to say to these viewers before we head off? You'll be back. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll be back. I appreciate y'all just having me on, man, and uh, being able to share my story. And if anybody out there, man, if God, if this has touched you in any way and uh, God is starting to reveal himself to you, I encourage you to uh, to pray and pray hard and talk to God just like he's your friend because uh, he is your friend and he's there for you and he does love you. So, um, yeah, just Everybody have an open mind and an open heart, and just uh, be open to his love and his acceptance. So absolutely. Well, Thank Cody, this has been a good part one. Um, this next week, I'll say this too: we're going to World Changers. So uh, oh me and Grant and Josh Blake will be gone here in a couple weeks on a mission trip. 
So I'm going to do a short segment this week just telling you guys about what we're going to be doing and, man, how y'all could pray for us. And then after that week, we'll come back and we'll have Cody come in and we'll finish out uh, his story about his life and then we'll continue spiritual gifts until we'll see what's next. So, guys, uh, farewell, I guess. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Peace out. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah.